The following is a pre recorded program. Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. I really like that. There was a TV program called Rosemary and Time, and it was a woman named Rosemary and another woman whose last name was Time, and they were detectives. But that's not what we're going to talk about tonight, but it is appropriate. And I look forward to tonight's program because I like to learn, and I like to learn things about food. And we finally stumbled into an area, well, we didn't stumble, we, we hit literally split for it, uh, where Pam Beck is going to be talking about something that I don't know that much about. So I'm going to say who she is and so on, maybe have a few words of dialogue, and then you're going to get to talk tonight. And I, we, I've been promoing the show since you told me what it was going to be about, uh, as about uh, gardens, herb gardens. Mm-hmm. Did I get it right? You did. Pam Beck is a, is a is, I call her a gardening writer. She, I, I, finally, I couldn't decide what to put on the schedule, so I put gardener. Because you're that, whether you write about it or not, and you will always be that. You may quit writing, but you'll always be a gardener. But she she knows a lot of good stuff about this. She quite often fills in on the weekend show, and she's been a guest on this show much for the last 25 years. And uh, whenever we can get her, she knows a lot about the history of plants, which is something I appreciate. But we're going to find out about herb gardens. And who knows, Mrs. Kearney may even be listening tonight. uh, Because I I told her what the topic was going to be. So... uh, Find your way into this. Well, and we'll I, see what I'm going to start with what you've said because the interesting thing is, is um, how do you know what an herb is and how do you know how to pronounce it? Now, should one use the H? And those who speak the Queen's English aspirate the H and say a herb like the man's name. But Americans generally don't use that first letter and we use an herb, E-R-B. And the Oxford Dictionary, it is um, generally reported that the letter H was completely dropped from late Latin and Romance languages, but around the Middle Ages it was added back. Now, in some parts of England, like the Cockneys, will stay, still say herb, E-R-B. And northern, um, northeastern U.S., uh, they will say herb oftentimes. But um, you will find that I'll go back and forth with it. Uh, And I will say, for instance, a a herbal preparation, but I will still say an herb. And that's that's what I like. The most interesting thing about what you've said, all of it is interesting, is the A and an. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the an would indicate that the the H would not be pronounced because the an goes before a word that begins with a vowel, if I remember correctly. But this is what's funny because we think about, um, when we think about British English, um, I questioned somebody one time if if it's herb and that H is aspirated, then why don't they have a hair on the throne of England. (laughs) Now, what you're doing is, uh, and there's no reason we can't wander a little afield, is something that you shouldn't, well, you can do it, but uh, it it does not make any sense. And if if you, uh, uh, particularly things like British spelling, Mm -hmm. like the word Grosvenor, 
uh, or the word Chumley. It, it doesn't look like anything. Yeah. Or that, Gloucester. Like, yeah. Or Gloucester. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and if you cross over the, the, the Irish Sea, one of the best movie actresses in the world now, her name is Surge Ronan. And you would never spell her first name. Of course, that's a little bit of influence of Gaelic. But anyway, you you just have to take it the way the way it is. Well, and that's uh, that was a very good way for us to to get started because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people do question. You know, what do you say? How do you pronounce it? And it there is really no correct pronunciation. You just whatever you want to call it, you can call it. And if you want to call in and and say herb, you know, we will go with it. It's all right. Um, but the thing about herbs, as I will call them, um, is a lot of people want to know what what is it. And um, of course, in the Bible, uh, we start out in Genesis with uh, the Genesis one twenty nine, and God said, "Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth." And that particular passage, that word meant any plant. So it was all encompassing. Um, But generally, the Herb Society of the U.S. says that an herb is a plant that is used for the um, for the pleasure, fragrance or physic. Uh, So it's it could heal you. It could um, just be something tasty. Now, there comes that that fine line. Then what's the difference between an herb and a spice? And the generally, uh, the accepted difference is, is that if you use a pl- part of the plant that's tender, like the stem, the leaves, or sometimes the roots, it's an herb. But if you use the seeds and, and woodier bark and things like that, it's a spice. For instance, the perfect example of that is cilantro, which we think of as an herb. Uh, it's that spicy, wonderful green leaf that you put in uh, many Mexican dishes. The seed of that is coriander. It has a completely different name, even though it's the same plant. But we refer to coriander, uh, which manna was described as being like in the Bible, in the Old Testament, as being a spice, whereas cilantro is considered to be an herb. So I think that's a that's a very fine line about what part of the plant you use. One of my favorite definitions, though, is I have to share is uh, from a book um, by Rob Proctor and David Mackey called Herbs in the Garden, the Art of Intermingling. And and if you'll forgive me, I, I just have to read this. And this is directly from their book. It says, here's our definition. If you can cook with it, garnish a salad with it, soothe a burn or scratch with it, make a tea from it, soak in the tub with it, perfume your sheets with it, kill a bug with it, make a potpourri sachet wreath or something good smelling with it, treat a disease with it, weave, dye, or spin something with it, scour pots or wash with it, worm your pet with it, formulate oils and lotions to beautify your body with it, cast a spell with it, or make a big creation involving a glue gun, wheat stalks, and raffia with it. It's an herb. Okay. I was deciding on spice about halfway through, and then I switched back to herb. Okay. Yeah, so so it's in between there. And um, many of these plants that we think of as, as herbs that we know of that um, have a long ancient reputation of having been used um, for not only cooking but also for healing, that these were really important. Um, people would have herb gardens in their own personal private family plots, and, and very oftentimes 
and um, they were kept in churches and schools and and all kinds of places. Um, Large castles would have their own herb gardens. It was the living pharmacy, and the people who worked and knew which herb to use for which problem those were our old physicians, and um, so it was very important to know this. I just remember the name Cadmon was the star of uh, some mysteries that were on public television. And Call? he C-A-E-D-M-O-N, I think right. is right. I'm, right. I'm working just from memory. Right. But what he had knowledge of was herbs and spices. Right. And was it Brother Caulfield or something like it, that? It was, or, it, it, or maybe you're I think I'm. Yeah. I think I'm closer, but may, I <clears throat> yeah. won't say I am. But, but that's the way it starts with a C. Right. And let me emphasize here as yeah. an ex-history teacher, these things were supremely important, the spices. Yes. In fact— yes. The, the effort to expand trade was not so much about gold. It was for a lot of different products. Right. And, and one, of the main, one of the main areas was spice because mm-hmm. you, it was used as a preservative for food or as my sixth grade teacher, Miss Hines, said, it helped you get the stuff past your nose. <laughs> Absolutely, because many of these herbs were used for incenses and things mm-hmm. like that. And I explain to people when I teach a class on herbs that um, this was before we had deodorants. This was before we had carpet fresh. And um, some herbs were considered strewing herbs, which mean that you would take these, dry them, and throw them out on the, on the floor. So as you walked on them, they would release all these wonderful fragrances. The same thing, the same thing about potpourri, um, whether you were collecting rosebuds and rosemary and some of the spices and left them sitting in bowls, that was to freshen the room. A nosegay, which was a tiny little bouquet of herbs, were oftentimes tucked into the bodice of women's um, tops or else they were held in the hand because it made your nose gay. It made your nose happier than smelling everything that was around you. And if you've ever read, and then we need to take a break, and so you get to catch your breath. If you've ever read and you wonder why the guy's commenting on the breath of the fair maiden and so on and uh, and uh, how, sweet. She, how sweet she smelled, uh-huh. if you were alive then, you would know why he thought that was important because there were a lot of... People didn't take as many baths in those days, and there were a lot of people that really didn't smell all that good. But uh, but to, but sp- they, there have been history books recent, written recently about uh, the various spices. What is the spice that you nutmeg? Nutmeg mm-hmm. is, was one mm-hmm. of the ones that was really highly thought of. And so those guys, Vasco da Gama and Magellan and all those guys, they were looking for a way to go to the to South Asia to find these things and pepper. And right, and right right now there's a um, shortage of things like frankincense, which is still used as an incense. And, and again, it's all in this same family of wonderful, wonderful plants. Her name is Pam Beck. She is a gardener and writer and, um, and lecturer. Uh, I did not give her pedigree at the beginning because I plan to give it now. And it is uh, in the areas that I've just described if she wants to add to or correct them, that would be okay, too. But uh, you can find out the whole story at Pam Beck Gardens with an S, dot com, right? That's correct. Thank okay. You. And and I, I want to advertise you for that reason because uh, if you—well, uh, my wife doesn't have a garden club, but she has a book club. But if you have a garden club or something like that— uh, 
you can uh, avail yourself of her services if you so desire. And uh, you you can hear the evidence here here tonight. And I, I, my recommendation would would be wasted if I said any more because you will know that she knows what she's talking about and can be informative and entertaining. And she will be right after this. Here it is, the middle of July. Beck with us. Uh, the last time she was here was right about Easter time because she helps us understand about the plants of Easter. And tonight she's talking about um, herb or herb gardens. <laughs> I'm responding for, to the knowledge I've acquired tonight. Uh, and herb, uh, well, partially sage, rosemary, and thyme, and some other things too. Yeah. You know, I like sage in sausage. Yes, and sage is one of those uh, wonderful plants with a great history. Um, its botanical name is salvia, and that's the where our word salvation comes from. And salvia is one of those um, herbs that uh, even way back, uh, one of the medieval herbal experts said, why should a man die if he has sage in his garden? It was thought to cure everything, and that's the reason that it was, it was named salvia. Uh, it's, a, it's a Mediterranean herb. It is um, mentioned in the, in the scripture, and it has been around for a long, long time. And if I would go to, uh, say, a senior center— and even people with memory loss, oftentimes one of the things that will trigger a memory uh, is a fragrance of something. And if I would take sage, I would see these, these especially older women's faces light up, and they would tell me these beautiful stories about making sausage, about the hog killings in North Carolina, mm -hmm. out in the country, where they would take the sage and they'd rub it into the meat before it goes into the casing. And, and that's what makes that lovely aromatic that's in sausage. Well, you know, you've just fallen into Proust, Marcel Proust's trap, you know, because he wrote that 3,000-page novel. And what, he, what inspired him was he went to, to visit his grandmother one day as an adult and got one of the cookies that she had given him like when he was small and he dipped it in his to sew his his tea, his tea. and when he bit into it all of the memories all came the memories back. come back it's it's a wonderful thing and that's what i really love about a, an herb garden is that when you touch these things these are living antiques these are actual connection to plants that have been known for thousands of years by people all over the world who have smelled the same piney smell of rosemary mm -hmm. uh, when they touch it or have tasted the same um, savoriness that, that uh, salvia, the sage, would mm -hmm. give them. These are plants with a history. They've been mentioned in literature they um, are are living reminders, but the fragrances are just tremendous. Uh, we when I started my gardening uh, in the Mordecai Herb Garden in Raleigh. This is a historic property for those of you who are not familiar with it. That is um, outside of one of the older homes that's in the in the city of Raleigh. It is a public park now, and at one time that. That herbal garden was quite a, a wonderful collection of all plants back from um, 1800s and, and older. And we would 
lead children's groups through and show them school groups and show them the old-time plants. And they would touch oregano. We would have them brush their mm-hmm. hands across the top of it and ask them, what does that smell like? And there would be this chorus going, pizza! They were so excited because huh. all of a sudden there was that connection between that plant and that thing that they were familiar with. And that happens oftentimes when we're in the garden. Let me say, since I like to be a guy, that Mordecai, the Mordecai properties are located close to that, that really interesting business area on Person Street now where a lot of restaurants have opened up. And uh, my pharmacy's over there. It's about three blocks from the Krispy Kreme sign. So you won't have it near the governor. <laughs> it won't have any. But it's worth a visit. There's some good parking there. Yep. And we've done remotes from there. And it's, it's, a, one of the, it's a building from one of the older families in Raleigh. And it's right. been preserved. Well, I think it's open now. I don't know for sure. It's, it's still open and available for tours. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, part of the Raleigh Trolley uh, tour system. Okay. So right. you can stop and get out and walk around the building and, and hopefully get yourself a, a guided tour to the interior. The home is is um, a wonderful house, but uh, to me, my my passion is is in that garden because it was going there, and meeting the gardeners there and having them introduce me to these herbs and tell me that these are plants with history and stories and and romance and and uses that it really got me excited about plants and that's that's what turned me on to gardening to begin with. Well, we're going to have to do the rest of parsley sage. We've done sage, rosemary, and thyme. We really don't. I, I tend to be a person who wants to systematically cover sure. everything. But I, you brought back a memory to me tonight because my grandmother, bless her heart, was from South Carolina, and she used to make it. It was an inexpensive fish stew. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, the, what is it, bouillabaisse that yeah. is in Marseille, and the, the fishermen's wives made the stew from the leftover fish. Right. The best fish went to the market. What was left over is what they— But they heads got. and bones could go into, into exactly. wonderful soups and stuff. But then my grandmother would dump a bunch of sage in there, yeah. and yeah. Uh, we, were, we were right and tight at that point. Yeah. And so you, you brought back some memories. We are talking with Pam Beck tonight of pambeckgardens.com. That's where—and the, the gardens has an S on it, and it's B-E-C-K. And it's all one word. Uh, you can find out all about uh, the things that she's interested in, some of the things she's written. Uh, if she has a schedule, anything scheduled at a particular time, you can find out about it there. She is a person who is talking tonight about herbs and herb gardens. We're going to pause to find out what's going on in the world, and then we'll be back with Pam. The following is a pre recorded program. 9.33. Tomorrow night is trivia night. And Monday night is a night I hope you will tune in because one of the most significant things that's happened in, Amer- in in history, in Western history and in world history is the French Revolution. You just mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, it touches on American history some, but a lot of people don't get into European history, so they just don't understand what was going on there for a while and how it succeeded and how it failed. Uh, Stephen Vincent, who teaches French history at... Um, NC State University will be our guest. Sunday is actually the day that the French get to do the firecrackers. Bastille Day. Bastille Day. It's, mm-hmm. it's their equivalent. Well, it's not the equivalent of anything, but it is the day they get to shoot off the firecrackers. Right. right. And it's the day they commemorate the, the turn in their history that took place in mm-hmm. 1789 on mm-hmm. uh, July 14th. Uh, but uh, tune in Monday night. Stephen Vincent is— uh, 
is is good on this topic, and we had a really good program last year. Tonight, Pam Beck, uh, Pam Beck Gardens, is talking to us about herbs, and this is a learning experience for me. Are we going to take my plan, or do you have another one? That, that is. Uh, well, since we um, talked a bit about sage, and um, we're talking parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, let me uh, touch on rosemary just a little bit more because it is such a significant plant. It is a, a very woody plant, and it grows very well in, in uh, full sun. And uh, it's an aromatic plant that's mostly used uh, for cooking because it's got that, that lovely uh, fragrance to it. If you get something that's uh, woody enough on the rosemary and you strip off the leaves, you can use those in, in cooking also in potpourris, but then you can use even the sticks of the rosemary as skewers to cook with. But it was also known as an herb of remembrance. The Romans used to wear it in their hair when they were taking tests to help them remember if you were a student. And I think one of the most beautiful uh, lines, passages uh, from William Shakespeare was um, the passage from Hamlet where Ophelia says, there's rosemary, that's for remembrance, pray you love, remember. And what she was talking about is the passing of, of a beloved uh, parent. And so this tradition is going to tie back to what we still sometimes see here in the South, and that is that rosemary is oftentimes carried in the hands of um, people, especially in Mason um, funerals and in, in, um, anything associated with the uh, the Masons, you will see um, that uh, sometimes it was left in the hands of the deceased so that it would be a symbol that the family would not forget them. And it has even been woven into bride's bouquets so that the bride will remember who she was, and always remember to also be faithful to her husband. So it's that that lovely herb of remembrance, and I wanted to to mention that to you too. You were talking about um, parsley. Parsley is a as a uh, funny little herb. It's more of a biennial. It works. It the first year you plant it, it will live through the winter quite well. Usually, bolting, flower and bolting, um, the second uh, season when it gets warm again. But parsley was thought to grow very well where witches were present because it had to go down into the depths of Hades nine times to become permanent in a garden. So it was thought to be one of those things that if you saw it in a garden, beware. If parsley was thriving, you know there was there was something nefarious going on there. Um, another plant that is associated with witchcraft, which uh, I happen to think about, is rue. Now, this is something that's in our our common everyday usage. And Tom, I know you love words, but rue and rue the day is very legitimate because this plant has a, a very strong oil about it. And sometimes you can develop an allergic reaction to it, which is much more severe than poison ivy. And so rue, mm -hmm. um, though in Ophelia, again, it was, it was considered the herb of grace. Rue was thought to kill um, jail fever. So oftentimes judges would have rue in the courtroom and um, they would have sprigs of it to, to keep them from being contaminated by the prisoners who were coming in who might be ill. 
And um, then, of course, it was planted outside of garden gates or outside of your door to keep um, you safe from witches because evidently they have a little OCD and they would have to stop and count the leaves on the rue and that would keep them occupied so they wouldn't come into your garden or into your home. So um, I thought you might enjoy a little bit about that. We're back to the symbolic uses of these. Being symbolic doesn't does not, in my sense, there does not connote something unreal. It's just a way of remembering. It, it is it, a way of remembering. And what's funny about that is Rue, as as um, as dangerous it can as it can be to work around and um, potentially come in contact with, it was oftentimes used in eye drops um, at one time. Uh, so we've come a long way with medicines uh, like that. The one plant we have not talked about uh, in that foursome of parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme is is thyme, and it's T H Y M E, and thyme is kind of considered a, a flavoring uh, plant. It has teeny tiny little leaves. There's lots of different varieties of thyme. One of the best uh, for our southeastern gardens is probably lemon thyme, which has a, a golden leaf to it. But it is considered to be a marriage counselor of plants. Um, if you are cooking something and you have too much garlic in it after you taste it, or it's too strong with onions or something, use thyme. Put that in there, and it will it will tone it down. It will it will mediate for you with those flavors. And so um, the, if you had a bundle of all three of those things, there's history, there's symbolism, there's, there's beautiful legend and lore associated with it. But uh, that's true of so many of our plants. Think about basil. John Keats talked about uh, a pot of basil. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those great plants that... Uh, we still use in a lot of our cooking. It's uh, it's in caprese salads. It's in uh, stews and soups and, and spaghetti sauces. Uh, basil adds a lot to it. And that's a very tender herb that we can grow in the summer here. I'm trying to think of something, and I shouldn't take you away from the topic. This green, that when you buy it in a bottle, it looks like it's little loops, uh, circles. And it's common. I think it starts with the letter B. And uh, Nero Wolf used to make toast with it on it, uh, and I can't think of what it is right now. Interesting that it's green and circular. It wasn't something that was chopped. Uh, elongated, well, it looks like, like it a was, chive? No, it was chopped. Chives. Was, okay, what, chives. Yeah, all right. Now, chives are really interesting. There are chives are in the onion or the allium family. Right. I think well, that's it. And mm -hmm. they grow quite well, and every part of the chive is edible, including the little flowers. And the and the traditional chives, the or what we consider the culinary chives, are um, little tiny uh, purple spikes come up, and you can take that flower and shred it, and it'll decorate. But you can chop this up and put it on potatoes. You can put it in herbal vinegars. It's a wonderful plant. Now, there is also a garlic chive, and if you like something that's a little bit spicier, this one blooms not in the spring like the regular chives do, but in the fall, and well, it has white flower. Well, we can grow all of this stuff if we want to take the time in our backyard. Right, and right. that's what's so great about it is if you are interested in growing herbs, there's a Wake County Herb Society that is um, very active. In fact, they oversee the herb garden that is in the other herb uh, bed that is off a of pool road at Oakwood. I'm um, Oakview. I'm sorry, Oakview House. Um, 
That garden is another... Hogview uh, House is the one up on the hill. It's on Carrier Drive, and it's this wonderful old house. It's right White next house. to the, the uh, office complex. Right, right. right. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, right yeah. up a pool road yeah. and uh, Carrier Drive. And um, they are, are quite active. There's also a lot of good literature that is out there. There's so many herbal books, um, cookbooks and, and how-to books. There's Southern Gardening with Herbs books. So if you want to keep it much more specific, um, there are lots of online videos and things like that. But generally, when we're talking about growing herbs here in the southeast, and specifically here in North Carolina, where we have more of a clay soil. Now, down, down east where it's sandy soil, they like that. Mm-hmm. But they need good drainage. Uh, herbs do not like wet feet. So raised beds are often the best way to go about this. And then incorporate a lot of limestone into your garden soil because many of these herbs come to us directly from the Mediterranean. And these are plants that grow in limestone cliffs. So the pH that they prefer is going to be more between the 6.5 and the 7.5. And when people say, I've not had any luck with herbs, my advice would be to grow them in containers, grow them in pots, preferably big terracotta pots where the water can evaporate out of them. Use a light soilless mix and do put some limestone in there so it'll sweeten that soil up a little bit. And I think you'll be very pleased with how they do. I'm going to put you on the spot now. Okay. Because I'm a bibliography person. If you had, if I said, I think I want to do this and I'm ignorant, I don't know, what book would you tell me to buy? Ooh, there's so many I good know, ones there are. Out This there. is why you're on the spot. So <laughs> you can name two. Uh, uh, well, just... I, I brought I brought a couple with me this evening, and I had mentioned one of them already. This is an older book, and it's called Herbs in the Garden by Rob Proctor, David Mackey, and it's called The Art of Intermingling. And this book is, is really, it's an interweave press. Um, it is... An old classic for me, and when I say old, the copyright on this thing is uh, 1997. So a lot of my books are older. Uh, There is a Gardening in the South. For those of you who are interested, though, in herbs of the Bible, I did want to mention that because we have talked about that Mm -hmm. so much on this program, and I I do a lecture about that topic. My favorite book on that topic is uh, one by James A. Duke, and he's the author of Green Pharmacy. I think you may remember Dr. Duke. Dr. Duke's Ph.D. He's he's passed, but he lived in Durham. And um, his book, The Herbs of the Bible, is is a to me a lovely book because not only does it talk about the herb and the and the biblical reference, but it's also interweave press. Again, um, you can tell that they. They specialize in these um, wonderful uh, books. And this one, uh, the text copyright is 1999. Uh, So as far as something else that's new that might be out there, I find that I'm, because I like the history of plants, I'm drawn to older books. Mm -hmm. And I do apologize for that. Okay. Well, we need to to stop and we're going to come back. We have about... uh, eight or nine more minutes, so we have to decide how we're going to use this precious time at the end. Uh, we, we we will never have enough time. Pam Beck, Pam Beck Gardens is our guest tonight, and we're talking about herb gardens. In fact, I may ask you, it, uh, you've, you mentioned several herb gardens, and for instance, the one at uh, Mordecai House uh, mm-hmm. inspired you, but where where can you go look? You know, I mean, uh, 
Well, you mentioned Overview. I guess you could mm-hmm. go look there. And, but the, and, and I know you like to talk about where gardens are because we usually have a program in the summer about that, too. This is what's coming up. That's called a tease. We'll be back. It is 9.50 at News Radio 680 WPTF. If you were here at the beginning, we came on with uh, uh, Art Garfunkel and uh, Paul Simon's version of Parsley, Sage, Rosemary, and Thyme, which I've always liked. I sort of always have liked them. And uh, we've gone through Parsley, Sage, Rosemary, and Thyme, and I'm glad that our, ho- our, our guest tonight, Pam Beck, has gone through Sage because that's about as close as I get to it because I don't live around or with anybody who likes it a lot. I used to, my barber, this is strange, used to, um, on Saturday morning, if I went to get my hair cut, he would would make uh, a sausage with sage in it and would have a sausage biscuit for me. Mm. I used to get my hair cut about 7 o'clock on Saturday morning, and uh, I miss it because he's dead now, and, uh, and that happens, you know, and... But I have to eat sage by myself. But I got it from my grandmother. And uh, well, I, we also enjoy sage at uh, Thanksgiving. A lot of times, turkeys. Pe- people forget that uh, it is either used in the um, the stuffing, or it, as we use in our house, we use dressing. We don't mm-hmm. do stuffing, or it's put into the cavity of the bird. It it is that wonderful aromatic mm-hmm. that we're so drawn to. Oh, it's something like vanilla fall in the area of spices. Vanilla is a spice. It's not considered an herb, and it is from an orchid plant, and it's um, it's a lovely seed pod. And if you ever get your hands on a on a vanilla seed pod, it may be encased in in glass, like in a tube or something like that, because they dry out so easily. But if you want a real treat, make yourself some homemade ice cream where you have to cook the custard. And you drop those whole vanilla beans in there while you're cooking that that vanilla custard. And then take it and you slice that bean pot open and scrape those little seeds out and leave those in the custard when you're freezing it. And it is really divine. I'm about ready to die. See, where I have experienced this, what do you call the stuff in the little brown bottle? That oh, you the, the uh, imitation oftentimes well, if, vanilla extract. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but uh, I, I, it, if, if I was dancing with a girl and she had dabbed as <laughs> granny with a little bit behind her ear, you know, that's why she told Ellie Mae to put it what? is just, uh, but you can't explain that, that it's a, it's a whole smell that you can't explain. It is. And what's interesting about what you were just talking about is that there's been some research on which fragrances are most appealing to men. And there's another spice that is uh, oftentimes uh, talked about being one of the most stimulating for, for men is cinnamon. Mm-hmm. And um, Which is one of the barks that you talked about. It is one of the barks that we were speaking of, and that, again, is considered a spice. So, uh, but, but a very, very powerful, unforgettable uh, fragrance that once you're familiar with it, if you ever walk into a mall and they've got a Cinnabon or, or something mm-hmm. station right. or one of those anti-what's-her-name's pretzels kind of place, you know, with cinnamon, those are those are pretty amazing. What I, well, I do these programs occasionally that I call nostalgia programs, and there is the, there is the, the gestation of one right there, and that is in your life, what is the smell that, that brings back him or her or it or whatever that you just—and my problem is—, is and a lot of this stuff came from the from India and the subcontinent and so on. They have a lot of spices there, but the spot smell I like is Shalimar. 
Oh, you're talking about perfumes perfumes, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right. And perfumes, a lot of those came from herbs. Uh-huh. And um, probably one of the oldest of the fragrances that was herbal is lavender. And that's an herb we haven't spoken uh-huh. on tonight. But <laughs> lavender, the word is from Roman lavera, which means to wash. Right. And so that's where our word lavatory comes from. And um, this was an, an herb that was used to rinse clothes in, to make them smell better. It's very soothing, calming. Lavender oils are oftentimes used as a sleep aid. Uh, you can use them in your drawers, you know, to sweeten there. And uh, it's a great plant. You're about to see, we've got about two minutes left, the dark side of Tom Curry here. And that is, I'm going to ask you a question. And that is, do you think that we have enough people who still have noses that we're going to be able to retain this part of nature. Uh, Because I read an article 25 years ago in the New York Times about how we had homogenized, we had sterilized ourselves so much Mm. with deodorants and other things Mm -hmm. that we were a completely neutral world. I think that it's still important enough because if you even go down an aisle and look at uh, cleansers, uh, Mm -hmm. for instance, you'll see that this is fresh scented, this is lavender scented, this is lemon scented. There's always going to be those things that we are, uh, we grow up with and we smell and we immediately think either clean or home or mom or Thanksgiving or Christmas. It's the fir tree smell at Christmas time that they're spraying in the air so that we get into that spirit. There's that visceral connection we have with plants and plant fragrances that I think is is really important. Well, you didn't say the pine tree thing that you get to hang in your car. Oh, no. (laughs) No. No, I'm I'm just kidding, of course. But no, I... I, uh, uh, have thought about that much over 25 years, how things just sort of get sterilized and we lose the connection with with really good smells because I love smells. I'm like, the, mm-hmm. I'm the guy that goes into the mall and smells the cinnamon and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the world's a little bit better that day because yeah. of that, even if I don't get the scented bond. And the smell of soil. Um, when you go to the place where you are from, it will have a smell. Your own home has a smell. Um, you can walk into old buildings sometimes and 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 smell um, the people who've been there before, the things that have been there before. Spice markets in the in Middle East are supposed to be just heady with smell. Well, I, I have the impression right now, and we're in our last minute, but that aromatherapy is a big deal right now. It is a big deal, and it's because people are realizing that we do viscerally react to certain smells. For instance, mint will stimulate us. Rosemary improves our memory. Lavender calms us. Uh, so patchouli, you know, sandalwood, all these different things that are in incenses and smells and fragrances and aromatherapy, it is all connected to this herbal world we've been talking about. Well, just before I put it on my custard, I like to smell the nutmeg. It just yes. it smells good. It does. Thank you for coming tonight, Pam. I hope you will come back before too long. We ought to figure out that you ought to come every two or three months or something like that. But in any event, I, it's been wonderful tonight because Thank I've you. learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know. Pam Beck Gardens, with an S on it, dot com. You can find out everything you need to know uh, about Pam Beck. And uh, we're going to be here tomorrow night with some uh, potpourri trivia.